Hello, welcome to the podcast. This is our Six Ways from Sunday, number two, where we talk about absolutely anything and we drink a little bit during the course of it. If you'd like to follow us, you can do so on Ace Space on Facebook. If you want to follow us, you can do so at Ace Space on Instagram and Twitter. You can also donate to Money Sign A Space Podcast via the Cash App. And if you'd like to get this podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and you can get the first episode on SoundCloud. I'm right down on sheet music. I was like, yeah. I literally like kicked the shit out of the door in my car. I was like, <laughs> I was so mad. It was such a good and a third and a fifth and the augmented seventh, and it was nice. And I'm like. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm missing like two, three notes out of the progression on the chorus. I'm like, that shit would have been fucking sick. Yeah. And it's gone. And I'm like, oh. Good. Now the whole world will hear how you lose music. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. That's so I like just popping up and going hot on the mic with you. Thanks, you don't Sterling. You're oh, so kind. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna go there. <laughs> you gonna drop that shit out now? Okay. All right. I I see how it's gonna go. I see how this podcast is gonna go. Shit. Have you ever seen Hamilton? <laughs> oh, you mean the critically and Academy acclaimed musical? No, Hamilton. No. <laughs> Or you mean the man that literally underwrit all the uh, financial backing and land gains in the early Okay, this is supposed to be the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. It's supposed to be the fun one. <laughs> Not the one where you sound okay. like Sam all right. Harris. Alright. <laughs> Fine, I'll try not to sound like Sam Harris. Although, I don't know that I'd sound like Sam Harris. Do I really? <laughs> no. Okay, thank God. No I mean, the monotone voice yeah. sometimes in the podcast I, I, is the same way. I got but. You. Yeah, no, no offense to Sam Harris. No offense to Sam Harris. I listen to his podcast and I love him. It's but great, have you ever listened to Sam Harris' podcast? Hello, this that is Sam shit. Harris. And, okay, uh, I don't I'm listen to Sam Harris' podcast because <laughs> that shit puts me back to sleep in the morning, even when I'm drinking coffee. Love you, Sam. It is very good but, information. But it is so His monotone. Voice just like makes me want to go back to sleep. It yeah, sounds yeah. like a metronome. It's so. Bad. I'm like, oh no, can't get up today. Too much knowledge. I gotta go back to sleep. Um, I love the interviews he does where he's a guest mm-hmm. because yeah. then he has a chance to expand and you hear more of his tone. But like when it's his podcast, yeah, yeah. Domo origato misto Domo. I should like. I should love his podcast like, that he shit. did with Joe Rogan. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, that was like my favorite Joe Rogan podcast. Aside of the know, one man. he did with Be Real. Donald Rawlings is on again, and then oh, right yeah. after that, Donald Rawlings did another two and a half with hour the session with, with the RZA. RZA. I was, I'm, I'm, I've got to listen to them both. I'm like, holy shit! There's like six hours of content here. Back to back. Yeah, I'm like, what? That's a lot. So I'm going through all that. And then there's a a post-Sober October podcast between... Look, Joe Rogan, we give you a podcast some love. We need some sponsorship. Well, Joe Rogan didn't didn't do the (laughs) post-Sober 
the post pod, the post sober October podcast. Oh, that, okay. That he did last year, where they mm-hmm. did a live cast about the rankings and stuff, but because it wasn't really a competition, right? And so the Kreischer family, Bert and Leanne Kreischer, did a Two Bears One Cave episode and without believe, Ari Shapiro. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know Ari's one of those guys. Ari Shapiro. I keep using the first name because he's a comic. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, if you don't listen to Because if I say Shafir, like, no one's going to be like, oh, yeah, Shafir. Yeah, we know Shafir. Like, he's not a politician. Yeah. yeah. He's a comic. Yeah. It's a more casual knowledge base. Anyways, that's a long road back. Yeah. Like, woo. Talking Greek tragedy level. (laughs) Long road back. All that story was missing was a murder scene. Okay. So, what are we doing today? Welcome to Six Waves from Sundays with the One-Eyed Gambler, me, and uh, Nimbus the AP, round two. And we also have a guest in the house. I don't think she's going to jump on the mic, but you will hear their podcast coming out soon. Do you want want to give the name? You want the plug? You want to give a plug? You want to give a plug? Give the plug, there you go. The plug is the unapologetically... Afro Latina. <laughs> okay, that's the last time we let her on the mic. Oh, on first off, <laughs> I, I, like, I like the, the enthusiasm. <laughs> anyway, so let's just do it the way we were doing it before. So today we're drinking right now at least. We're gonna do a uh, an alcohol plug. Um, we're drinking Original Sins Black Widow Cider. So for all of you out there who are looking for something clap, really good, something crisp, clean, straightforward, simple, not as caloric, not as bad for your triglycerides and shit. Um, cider is a good alternative if you're gonna drink cider. I highly suggest Original Sin. This this cider is a uh, black cherry cider. Um, it it's been tastes in production like for a while. Juice. It, it tastes like tastes juice. Like juice. <laughs> it's dangerous. It's a dangerous cider. I'm gonna start. You can't taste the alcohol. Look, you can do ABV. You can do KGV, ACV, whatever you want to do. To <laughs> and in a true Southern style, we are drinking it out of mason jars because I felt like embracing a little bit of my inner redneck today as a Southern boy. But I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start grading alcohol on how dangerous it is on a level from if I drink it, it tastes like juice to if I drink it, it tastes like gasoline. Okay, so so if this I is definitely it juice it tastes level. like juice, that's more dangerous. That's more than dangerous. If I drink it, it tastes like yes, diesel. Yes, because your wife will take a whole cup and down it in one minute and one another one, and then she wonder why she's on the floor. <laughs> dangerous. Jesus. <laughs> you you gotta do a little more uh, drinking training, my friend. No, oh, probably. Because you know. me and my wife go out to the bar and we knock back hard That's what happens straight, when like you don't soldiers. have any kids. That, like soldiers. Awesome. Okay, that's that's what happens when you don't have any kids. See, my okay. money goes to food so, and your money goes to the bar. That's perfectly fine. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, really, like, based on what I'm tracking on my uh, caloric intake and my calories every day. 4,000 a day. I'm, no, I'm actually eating less than 2,000 overall. But like I said, so when I first met up, but he's making up. For I set an extreme reduction. No, no, I'm talking about total carbs consumed. Yeah, total, including drink. Total carbs consumed. I was like, my limit for each day is gonna be seventeen fifty. 
which is like my my nutrition was like are you sure you're like 180 185 like that's extreme I'm like yeah i did it because i want to see what that's like and i was able to keep to it but what i noticed is that on a slow day and by slow yeah. i mean i'm only working a full shift i'm still consuming about one third of my calorie intake a day in alcohol <laughs> A lot of a lot of craft beer, which tends to be more caloric because they're putting in good quality ingredients and stuff like that. Yeah, they're putting in a lot of more content to the beer to give it the flavor because of the profile. hops and the barley, and hops, the malt complex, mm-hmm. the sugars you gotta put in there for the yeast to eat to make the alcohol. So right, so there's a whole bunch of shit. And traditionally, anyways, I drink even higher caloric stuff within the craft industry. I'm drinking stouts, porters, year-round, Belgians, stuff that has a lot of yeast in it, has a lot of sugar in it to create a higher alcohol content. Like for me, oh, there we go. Love that. Okay, so anyway, so I'm drinking a lot more caloric stuff on a basis. For me, I'm a, as a year-round stout shrinker, which is rare, especially down here in the south, because it's so hot. Stouts typically are drunken in the cold. So, drank, drunken, drank. They're very caloric drunk. because you're drunk, just drunk, drunk. drinking. You drink just drunk in the cold. Okay, no. Anyways, <laughs> wordplay is done. So, I'm drinking highly caloric beer, even within the craft beer industry. So, long story short, on a slow day, like when I have to work a full shift and things like that, I'm drinking one-third to about 50% of my total calorie intake, so 1750 half of that in a day to one-third, just in craft beer. On a busy day, it gets a little better. On a busy day, I'm working 14, 16 hours. I'm drinking even and even if I count all the samplings that I have to do at work to be able to tell my customers what certain beers taste like and how they compare. Even if I count all the sample cups, which are only like half an ounce to an ounce, even if I count all that on a super busy day, I'm only drinking two, maybe three beers, mm. which is about because it's craft beer. It's still about a third of my caloric intake, a third of 1750. And I picked that number because it's super extreme. Yeah. Right? It's just really low. That's below the average for any person. Yeah. So, I was like, let me see if I can adhere to it. I can adhere to it, but I'm basically eating, like, when I am adhering to it, I'm eating once a day with a couple snacks. Those snacks are not, like super enjoyable snacks it's not like i'm gonna eat like a a fast break bar or anything like that i'm literally eating like a handful of like pistachios which i love but it's not really like super beneficial outside of a raw protein ratio right um and then like i said i'm eating one big meal a day for like 800 to a thousand calories and so in that 1000 calories i've got to fit in all my vegetables everything basically right and my protein count to maintain my my iron count and things like that so it's not ideal 
So I'm, I'm going to have to adjust. I've got a meeting with my uh, nutritionist this week. Which really, I just I keep doing it now just to keep myself honest. Yeah. Because it's too easy for me to be like, eh. Well, do you put think, that shit off? Do you think with like with only eating one meal a day, you're probably starving your body and doing more negative impact to your body? I've considered that, but when I eat, so I've considered that and I've fiddled around with eating twice a day in just smaller portions and in a varied meal. Like my nutritionist is very concerned with uh, my. Um, Triglyceride. Triglycerides. 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 I've been pre-gaming, okay? <laughs> Triglyceride level. That's what happens when you support Trump. You can't even talk about your triglycerides. See? <laughs> 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 Hang on a second. Donald Trump told me that I don't need to follow my triglycerides oh, because no. ain't nothing in that Burger King sandwich that ain't oh, that no. it, that ain't good for you, okay? Oh yeah, it's that, that, it's that neat substitute now. Those they Bur- cook those Bur- burgers Bur- at Burger King substitute. with all those triglycerides oh, that you ain't even. Oh Jesus! Okay, that's it, bro. Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, deep breath. I hope no conservatives ever listen to this podcast, even though we're supposed I to be talking do. about both sides of political opinions. I think they laugh their ass off. Uh, <laughs> Dude, Donald Trump had sidebar. Donald Trump has a problem with eating fast food. Okay. <laughs> Just like me. People <laughs> have testified to like not testified under perjury, but like people have said, yeah, his favorite thing to do is Dude, go a get basketball Mickey D's. team came to the White House and he ordered and he was like Mickey D's. McDonald's. Jesus bro. Christ. I remember the jokes were like, could you not cater a better White House dinner yeah, than only go in motherfucking DC, one of the central hubs for all cultures of the world. No. So shout out to in DC. This is a wonderful place. This Latin place called Guapos. They make it, it seems like a super simple dish, but it's also really easy to fuck up because it's super simple. It's corn cake tamales. Mm-hmm. This place makes the best corn cake tamales I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Fuck Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> fuck that little tiny They make tamales at Cheesecake Yeah, they Factory? do they do they quote unquote what? make corn cake. No, no it's you bullshit. can't make Fuck tamales. Fuck it's, it's, it's supposed dude. to be a tamale, but it's pressed out like a like a potato pancake, basically. Like it's pressed out like a corn pancake. It's not really a. T- what in the cultural appropriation of that? A tamale. Oh. <laughs> it's shaped like a, a flour, basically. It, they they do it and they press it out and then you get a raw press on it. So, it, anyways. It's just not it's as good, like which flower, is the fucking Tommy. point of my sidebar. <laughs> Shout out to Guapos in D.C. I grew up going there every time I went to see my uncle and my aunt my cousins up there. Once a week when we go up there for like the week's vacation my parents ever got. Mm. Right? Be up there for four days. Every year we go to Guapos. Like first or second day. Christmas, of course, you know, you're doing home-cooked shit. Everybody's stuck at home. The one time you get out is like you're still going out with everybody, but you're going to a movie, so you don't have to talk to everybody for once for like two hours. Right. And um, just God bless my family up there, and thank God they lived up there because Guapos is like a gift from God. It's so wonderful. It's just nothing but sour cream and corn cakes. In and DC it's though, oh so good. That's such a weird place. 
I remember when I was like traveling up and down the East Coast doing organizing the best place for food ever mm. was Philadelphia. No, Philly knows you how to bring it. <laughs> would not understand. And the problem is there was so much good food in Philly, I didn't even get a Philly cheesesteak while I was there. Damn, so son, if, what the so, fuck's your problem? I know, but all the other food Dude, was amazing. That's like going to Texas you would and not, not You would not when believe. What the fuck's your problem? You would not believe that Philly <laughs> had good seafood, dude. Awesome seafood. Really? Yes. I don't know what it was. I mean, it, it could just be because we're in, race, It could just be because we're in Piedmont, North Carolina. It could have been Salt Farm. It's possible, but I mean, it's much more difficult to maintain a salt farm. But but it was but it was just as good as the Baltimore seafood that I had. Wow. Yeah. So I that's don't know. a statement. Yeah. For, for y'all who don't know, I don't know if Baltimore it was just that restaurant. Nicest seafood, like just right. The water around Baltimore is so. Although almost vibrant. I would although say, you have to so. right. The all food the, coming out of it is just really good. Right. But although you have to give credit to, like, leftist organizers because they're, like, kind of in tune with the community and mm-hmm. with the people, they kind of know where all the spots are at. So right. I just think I was with, like, so a bunch so of good people. So it's kind of sort of going, like, it's kind of like having a You think you were just, like, sort of rolling around with people who are used to being there. They knew where yeah, the good, knew where good the stuff spots was. Were at. So you yeah. didn't have to hit all the shitty stops to yeah. find the good stops. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I also so you was like, on the tourist trap. You I also on the crowd trap. Right. I also was like twenty and went to the gas station in New York City and got uh forty ounce and was never carded for it. And I obviously looked under twenty one. So. <laughs> obviously, they knew where all the all the Sir. spots were at. <laughs> I don't care because now I'm well over twenty one and um we're good. We're okay now. Step out of the podcast, please, sir. <laughs> Anyways, so now that we've digressed, point being, um, you really just gotta like maintain and keep your shit together. I've discovered for me, mm-hmm. 180 pound, 26 year old, whatever, I'm really maintaining a lot of water weight like everybody else does, but mine's like, most people maintain like 7 to 10 pounds of water weight. Yeah based on my nutritionist calculations and my diet, mine's closer to like 10 to 15. Yeah. Which makes sense from my perspective, from my uh, physical health history. If I go to one a day workouts for an hour, three to five times a week, yeah, within seven days, I shed all that water weight and I'm seeing results, which typically takes two weeks for most people. Right, because you shed seven to ten pounds of water weight, and then you start to see a muscular sculpture after about ten to fourteen days. For me, it's half that time. If and I, when I say one a day workouts, I'm not like I'm on the elliptical for an hour. Mm-hmm. No, I'm doing high intensity muscle ripping, muscle confusion workouts. I'm mixing a shadow boxing with weightlifting, calisthenics, that kind of thing. It's a mixture, and I'm only giving myself 30 seconds to a minute and a half of rest, depending on which section of the workout I'm in. First 25 minutes, you get 30 seconds of rest. The next 20, you get a minute, and then the last little bit, you get like a minute and a half. 
Mm-hmm. And it's literally, it's not about the number of reps you do. It's literally just exhaustion sets for an hour. Yeah. But that does have its toll. I'm not telling exactly. you this is the recipe for success. No. Doing that Because I know up, that's not good for me. You know, no, so. <laughs> doing that growing up fucked up my joints. I've yeah. got bad ankles, bad knees. And when I say bad, I don't mean like, oh, I have to ice it for a little bit and then it's fine. No. It's chronically bad. I do a deep knee bend, and I can hear the cartilage in my joints cracking and popping. So don't you think you need to slow down bad Yeah, which is why I have, which is why I maintain a 180 weight instead of a 155 weight. Man with bad genes. I'm I'm maintaining, I've got good genes, but I have terrible (laughs) eating habits. I'm maintaining the 180 weight, one, okay? Well, since we're talking about working out yesterday... I had one of the things that I have very few and far between, and I pride myself in it because that I have it very few and far in between. No. (laughs) I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, bro. I couldn't resist. That was actually perfect. (laughs) No. Sex does actually count as a workout. If I count my... Uh, love oh lord can i finish talking about what i was going to anyway, talk about go ahead go ahead anyway. go ahead go ahead don't forget to count your love making <sighs> your caloric intake and exercise ratios just how many calories do you burn per i minute? mean if your love making shitty obviously don't count it <laughs> you should know if you love making shitty or not okay i'm not gonna get into those details <laughs> but if it's not be sure to count it. Continue, please. I'm sorry. Can, can, can I continue now? Sidebar is over. Oh, my goodness. This is what happens. Anyway, I was at the gym, and I pride myself in having these moments. Because when I do, they're a workout killer. I stopped the whole workout, dude. Full abdomen cramp. The whole Oh, you abdomen. bitch. What? You bitch. Have you had those yes. before? Yes. They suck. Have you ever done the insanity workout for the full... I did the insanity workout twice. Okay. <laughs> it was not working for me. I did the P90X three times. was not working out for so, me. So, when I did the insanity When you workout, finish with the P90X, there is a puddle of sweat on the floor that has your name written inside of it. Bullshit. I do not like the P90X. Because <laughs> the next day... You feel like shit. You do. <laughs> you feel shit like shit the next day from insanity, too. This is like how you know... Different. This is how you know you're going to feel like crap the next day. The better you feel after a workout, the, the worse you your feel. body is going to yeah. feel the next day. All those endorphins already right. spent. Your body's like, we haven't had 24 hours to replenish these. We've only had like eight hours. Right. And you're telling me to wake up now? No, you get to feel like shit. Because I love workouts. Because yesterday I was That's like, why people love cardio. Because it's a low-intensity workout mm-hmm. over a long period of time. that gives you a steady feed of endorphins. Like a runner's that, high. That results in a runner's high yeah. after like the first three or four miles. You get that runner's high. And then you're like, oh, I can just coast on this. And just keep getting a little injection mm-hmm. of endorphins from my body. The whole run, I'll be all right. Uh, fuck that. <laughs> the next day, fuck you cannot that, walk. Dude. Like... <laughs> It doesn't like you're borrowing shit from tomorrow for today, and it's not good. Which is why I stopped doing shit like insanity. Shout out to insanity, though. I mean, that was probably like the most. I mean, that introduced I ever was when I was like 18, 19, 20. But those workouts kind of introduced the world to high intensity workouts, though. But I mean, when I was doing those workouts, I had to eat like four thousand calories a day. I had to go to class eating shit, and then have to tell my teacher. My, my college professor, you can't tell me not to eat. 
because this is literally core of my health right now. No. Like, you can be like, no, you can't have food in my class. I'm like, bitch, I have to Speaking eat Speaking of 4,000 calories, do you remember the name of the pizza that you came up with in high school? The Jesus Slice. <laughs> Y'all, this slice of pizza. <laughs> Woo, boy. I literally remember oh it goodness. the other day. You did? Dude. That I feel pizza like shit had the next day, so son. much on it. Oh my! I God. remember in high school you ordered a whole pizza. It's only got five toppings. Whole pizza. It's not new. It's five topping compared to the works pizza, which has eight. Oh. Here's the caveat. Well, the way it looked. Here's the caveat. It had a lot. It's done New York style, so you're mm-hmm. you don't have as much bread, mm. which means you have more room for toppings, but the bread's thinner. Right, so it's not as sturdy, so you gotta have something to keep it all on top. Otherwise, just you pick it up and it rolls off. And even with the extra topping, a lot of that shit rolls off, anyways. <laughs> it just is what it is. So in high school, shout out to Durham. I used to eat at this place called Randy's all the time. There's this guy there. God bless his soul. His brother's still there, um, but Terry used to work there, and his and um. When I was in high school, I had super long brown hair, brownish black hair. Typical Catholic Jesus look. And so I would come around, and I got this slice almost every day. So for y'all out there listening, if you go to Randy's, you can order this slice. It's not on the menu. Probably won't be unless Randy gives me a call, which he's not. But anyway, shout out to Randy's Pizza and Aaliyah, who owns a pizzeria I used to eat at, best friend of Randy's. It's called Jesus Slice, which is an ironic term because whenever I went there, they always used to call me. They still call me that today when I go there. They call me the Antichrist, Satan Spawn. (laughs) I, my wife goes there and like picks up, place an order to pick up or whatever, place an order for when we go next door and drink beer and they go, Satan's wife, whatever. It's oh, fucking hilarious. I love the guys there. God bless them. But anyway, so this, this is the Jesus Slice Breakdown. I'm talking about Brooklyn style, 24 inch pizza cut up into individual slices. Is it 24 or 34? I can't remember now. Anyways, the Jesus slice. Baptism by pizza. <laughs> Comes with. If he takes any longer. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm going to milk it until you lose your shit. <laughs> anyway, so you get bacon, ground sausage, not like that sausage chunk shit from Papa John's mm. or Domino's, like granulated ground sausage. So good. grilled chicken and the unique thing about the randy's grilled chicken is that it's the same chicken that they use for their euros Mm -hmm. it's not gyros fuck you people out there who think it's gyros it's euros euros this stuff marinates in in a greek vinaigrette constantly until it's used Mm. So it is super juicy, super tender. You throw it on the grill, do a soft cook on it on the grill in the kitchen. 
And they make the gyros with that? And then you throw it on the... Yeah, and they make the gyros with that. Oh, my God. <laughs> just make you say gyros! Oh, my God! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, Fuck you, Nimbus. He just got... They Fuck know. you, Nimbus. Yeah, you made me say it. God damn it. It's not called Jairus. It's called Euros. It's called fucking Euros. Fuck you, Nimbus. And then he says, yeah, Jairus. I'm just going to blow the sound out on the rest of this whole podcast because of that one instance. Oh, I'm man. Anyways, it's called Euros. Fuck your ass. So you get the... Uh, the grilled chicken that they typically use for the euros. <laughs> euros. Euros. I'm gonna make euros. my voice deep because I'm overcoming. Put my voice deep because I'm trying not to come over this table and smack the <laughs> shit out your ass. <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, so you do bacon, ground sausage, grilled chicken, like chicken tenderloin that's been chopped up on the grill, sautéed, whatever, and the marinade. Fresh cut tomatoes. This is very important, people. The fresh cut tomatoes, whether they're diced or sliced or whatever, the acidity in them balances out all the fat and shit and the spices and flavors from the bacon and the sausage and the chicken. That acidity gives you just the right balance on the pizza. It sounds like it's a super like crazy thing to worry about for pizza, but we're not talking about just pizza. We are talking about the motherfucking Jesus slice. It's That's a slice of heaven, motherfuckers. <laughs> I ain't kidding. It'll make your guts feel right that with be, God. That couldn't be more country. It'll make your guts feel right with God. That's all I'm telling you. If your guts feel right, your soul's gonna be okay. <laughs> you think you now, should after own a pizza all of that, shop? What? I think you should own a pizza shop. No, I don't want to own a pizza shop. You, you just came why? up with the perfect punchline. No, you want to know why? <laughs> you want to know why I don't want to own a pizza shop? Why? Because every... Pizza shop owner deals with that one person who wants anchovies. <laughs> if I own a pizza shop, bitch, I'm not having anchovies. <laughs> Fuck anchovies. Wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. Disgusting. Shouldn't be invented. Go back. Kill the person in town who invented them. Get rid of them. I don't care what they contributed to society. Unless they contributed time travel. Obviously. Because if you kill the person who contributed to time travel, then you can't time travel back to kill them. Causal loop. But obviously, the person who invented sardines back in the 1900s didn't invent fucking time travel. Fuck their ass. Disgusting. Anyways, not gonna own a pizzeria. Don't wanna have to deal with that person. It's like, why don't you have anchovies? I don't know. Why don't you have six toes? Bless the people that do, but you're not supposed to. Ooh, I was just so, you know, I, I have so many comments that I'm keeping to myself. Check them. Because I ain't done yet. So you have the tomatoes to bounce out all the fatty acidity. Unfortunately, it is on Brooklyn style pizza. And I say unfortunately only because it requires another topping, which economically speaking, it shouldn't. It shouldn't need. If, it, if you're on a, a regular like Chicago style deep dish, you don't need this extra topping because it's already comes because of the increased amount of bread. So I'm, and when I'm eating at Randy's, I got to get a Brooklyn style. So I have to put extra mozzarella cheese on top because the way it melts, it holds all those extra ingredients to the pizza, which is already a super thin crust. So even if you get it well done, when you pick up 
the pizza slice. It's a individual slice from 24 inch pie. It's gonna collapse under the weight unless you use two hands. Now, if you're working from Chicago deep dish, you're not gonna have that problem because you have the extra bread there to support it. It acts as the shovel into your mouth. <laughs> yes, I phrased it that way intentionally because at this point, you don't give a shit about your caloric intake, okay? <laughs> you're eating a three meat pie with extra cheese. Your caloric intake has been shot for the day, okay? <laughs> Anyways, so I have to always have to get it with extra mozzarella on top. And it's like cheese string across the pizza. It holds it all down. And then once you get about halfway done with the slice, you can fold it and you can eat it with one hand. And Bro, um. that shit. I mean, I'm thinking about it and I can feel the tanginess in my jaw from the chicken. I'm like, oh my god. I want it. I'm a foodie. What What do you want from me? It's the product of growing up, the young, the baby brother of a chef who graduated, Johnson Wales. Almost, no, she did graduate, summa cum laude. So, what do you want me to do? I'm a foodie. Grew up working in a garden, eating fresh greens, eating fresh veggies, fresh berries. You ate I berries, I love my bro? food, yeah. You ate berries? Oh, yeah. Blackberries, cherries, blueberries, raspberries, <laughs> cherry berries. <laughs> I'm not going to keep going on with that rhyme list. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, hang on. We can throw in huckleberries and elderberries to that list. Right, I didn't I didn't help grow them. Are huckleberries actually a thing? Yeah, huckleberries are a thing, but they only grow in the mountains. Uh-oh. They need a higher min- mineral composite. See, you learn something new every day? Bro. I thought Huckleberry so, was the out, name of a fish. This whole thing is going to be filled <laughs> with shout outs. Shout out to the uh, North Carolinian Black Mountains. There's a place up there that specializes in growing huckleberries that they then dry or dry age and add into black tea mixes mm. to make a huckleberry tea. That shit is so good. So good. So good. <laughs> I wonder how that's going to sound. Anyway, it's, gonna sound it's like really weird. good. <laughs> so the huckleberries are just, they're a very unique thing, right? Because they only occur within a certain area. They need a, they're more delicate than other berries. I mean, most berries are very delicate, but huckleberries tend to be more delicate the same way elderberries are. They survive in an even smaller niche than any other berry that I know of. And you can get them to occur. You can get them to grow in the mountains of North Carolina. But they just have this warm, bright, sweet, juicy flavor that doesn't become bitter. Like blueberries, if you pick them too soon or too late, bitter. Raspberries, pick them too soon, too late, bitter. They get an almost sourness. Not with huckleberries, in my experience. They're just mm-hmm. genuinely bright and good. Um, very similar uh, to like a ripe fig. Mm-hmm. I know fig's not a common or very popular thing because they only really grow for harvest for like two weeks out of the year. But if you have raw figs fresh off the stem, you get a little bit of like fig milk that pops off the back of the stem. 
but you can eat the whole fruit raw. It's very fleshy, small seed pods inside, sort of tangy and sweet. Huckleberries, I find, are the, the flavor profile is very similar when I have it in the tea. The black tea leaves kind of balance it out, yeah. warm it up almost more than it should be. But it works really well, especially if you're not like, it's one of those teas you don't have to add a lot of sugar or anything to as an herbal tea. Maybe like a teaspoon of honey if you're like really sensitive to bitterness. Yeah. But otherwise, it's very well balanced. So shout out to uh, the Black Mountains of North Carolina because they make some of the best huckleberry tea I've ever had. Oh, that reminds me. We forgot to do the uh, tasting notes on our cider that we're partaking of. <laughs> we got so sidetracked. This is how six weeks from Sundays go, folks. I'm so sorry. We started this whole thing with the with the breakdown of the brand name and everything, but we didn't do tastings. So here's the tastings. For Original Sin, Black Widow Cider, which has one of the most fabulous tap panels I've ever seen. Black cherry flavor, very prominent, very forward. Sort of sweet on the front. Now, of course, because it's craft, it sort of changes a little bit from batch to batch. So some batches might be a little tartar, a little more sour. Um, others, not so much. Um, for instance, this year, a lot of the blueberry beers have been super tart because the blueberry stock was not as good this year because of last year's environmental effects on the crop. Um Another example would be the pumpkin beers this year have been very sweet. The seasonal October, even traditional stuff like Oktoberfest or Marzen style beers, German style caramel malts have been super sweet comparatively when they should be more like almost like a roasted caramel mm -hmm. rather than like a sweet caramel. Like mm -hmm. you think of when you have like a caramel apple should be like a roasted caramel. And this year, like, all of our pumpkin beers that I've tasted coming in at the uh, tap room I work at, just super sweet. And we just got this great one on. It's, I mean, it's a perfect balance of pumpkin and harvest spices. Mm -hmm. But I don't enjoy it because I've been burnt out on so many sweet pumpkin beers this year. I'm yeah. like, I try it, and I'm like, objectively, it's good. But I'm just not in the mood for it anymore. Yeah. And I'm literally just coming out of October, which is really when you should be in the peak season for like pumpkin pie or pumpkin style or pumpkin dishes. That's when you would think, like, cause pumpkin, you know, anyways. So with the uh, Black Widow, Black Cherry Cider from Original Sin, it is um, this time around. I had it last earlier this year, and it was really good, but it was almost too sweet. Just barely, almost too sweet. Which is sometimes how ciders go, the, depending on the apples you use as the base. But this one, this time around, is just perfect, people. I mean, perfect balance of tartness, like that pucker effect when you get like that tingling in your teeth and you go, you know, it makes you want to do that. Perfect balance of that and sweetness. Crisp, clean, doesn't sit on your tongue. You know, you taste that at the beginning, and the sweetness doesn't build. Very good, very clean. I love it. Nimbus, almost. See? Tastes like juice! It doesn't taste like juice. <laughs> it tastes like alcohol a wee bit. 
Uh, it tastes a wee bit like alcohol there, laddie. Please stop that accent. It tastes a wee bit. <laughs> Please stop that accent. <laughs> That's it. Well, tastes like just me. Do I, do I sit over here and pretend like I'm Bob Marley? <laughs> you could if you wanted to. No one I mean, I could, that. but it would just be terrible. Yeah. Like that accent. At least I'll work on it, buddy. Are you working on At it? At least I'll work on it, buddy. I think your country accent's a little better. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> Ooh, one of these days I'm gonna get you to do that impression. Nope, so, you're not. So no, Nimbus, you're not. Nimbus over here is really good at impressions. He's not gonna admit it, but he's <sighs> no, impressions not. about people he's known a while. He has this one impression of um, some of somebody <laughs> until he's ready. <laughs> that to I do don't it. even until, remember doing. Until he's ready to do it, we ain't gonna talk about it. It was about it, it came about one year and um, story time sidebar came about one year. And um, our later high school days, um, during one of our nights, we're up at like 2, 3 in the morning. We just gone to Wendy's, hit up the dollar menu, like real pros, come back. And um, we were sitting around chit-chatting about some philosophical ideas and human perfection, that kind of thing. And he was doing an impression because I was <laughs> so funny. And so he was doing this impression. And uh, he is almost like a Colonel Sanders accent, but at the same time, uniquely, clearly not. It Dude, didn't have that Kentucky Fried Chicken feel, <laughs> but it had a genuine feel. I mean, it sounded just like the guy. I can tell you people, and I've been trying for years to get him back to where he was when he did it. No. And then one day, like a year, maybe eight months, six months later, he did it again. And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's the way you got to do it, bro. That shit is fucking perfect. Don't ever forget it. And now he wants to sit across the table and pretend like he don't remember it. And I know he does. I don't. I, I don't. know you do. So I don't. You say You got a mind like mine. It's like an iron trap. Don't even pretend like you don't know. No, I don't. I don't remember it, man. Bullshit. I call bullshit. Anyways, so he has this impression. You ever do something, but <laughs> you do it so good that you don't remember how to do it again? That's kind of how it is. No, I that's remember called doing perfection. It. I remember doing it. That's called perfection. I can't this. do and it we've again. we had that conversation. <gasps> And that's the next podcast. <laughs> Fuck everything else that happens. We're talking about perfection on the next podcast. And we're talking about our paper that you and I are slacking on because we have all this other shit that we've done and gone and done and started. But we're talking about that. We're talking about it. And we're yeah. going to use our oratory platform to perfect the paper and the thesis. Okay, we're going to have to talk more about that. Oh, we're recording yeah. our podcast tomorrow. <laughs> so oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I mean tomorrow we're oh, going in on that shit sidebar there's a perfection thesis <clears throat> that I referenced earlier that we have been working on since we were in high school that's before this decade so this will be like the people's thesis so we're going to release this to the no, public to do fuck that. the people to do their own to rest in peace people <laughs> fuck the people this is not about them this is about humanity and the perfection of what humanity. I'm saying is that if we're gonna take if we're if you're gonna take the content and we're gonna talk about it then we're just gonna be like releasing it out to the public for them to do what they do with thy will to with it. Right. I mean to okay. be fair it will be as as anything that is published and peer reviewed, although ours won't be peer reviewed. It will be peer reviewed by you guys, obviously. 
But it'll put our names through it. Wouldn't so it be motherfucker cool? can't snatch that shit. And it'll be a chance for us to really put what we think out there in a more clear fashion so that we have a solid starting point because our problem going back and forth on this issue for the last decade wouldn't it be has been that we can't decide where we started 10 years ago at three in the morning wouldn't it be cool if we could start something outside of the realm of academia that was loosely based off of it you mean a better way to educate people oh my god it's like this thing called life experience (laughs) It's called trial and error. <clears throat> no, it's but I'm saying success <clears throat> and failure. It's we have called, we have thousands of these schools across America, and yeah. like people have to go in debt to go to them. But what if we start to try to offer something? It took me longer, but I didn't do it. I know, but what I'm saying is, is that you have a lot of people that go into debt doing it. And what if we took right. something and made it to where? You have an alternative to academia. Well, if you could, the same thing. We could peer review something else, or we could publish something else. So here's the. What would that look like? We'll get into this more tomorrow because I've been chewing on this piece of fat literally for the better part of a decade. I hope you cooked that piece of fat. No, no, I'm chewing it raw, son. Anyways, I've been chewing on this idea for the better part of a decade now, and I've worked on it over the years, and I'm trying and trying and trying, and yet, I always hit this wall where I stall out, because I end up in this logical loop the same way uh, Rene Descartes ends up in his uh, inevitable logical loop in his Deceiver Demon Experiment. If you don't know who Rene Descartes is, his uh, meditations and his uh, Deceiver Demon Experiment are available publicly online for reading. Google it. It'll pop up. Anyways, I reached this cyclical cycle. Hmm, redundancy. Ah. Where I follow the lo- the, 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 the was it the, the thought process to its logical conclusion, and I end up where I started. Okay, you reached the cyclical thought process. Right. That was a way to compound. Yeah, I was trying to, like, <laughs> yeah. So I reached this, but this is why I need you working with me on this paper, because I end up in this logical loop where 1 plus 1 equals 2, but 1 plus 1 plus 2 also equals 3, which... Of course, mathematically doesn't make sense unless you're accounting for clock math, which is a, an a iniquity or a uniquity. But we'll get into that part of the thought experiment tomorrow. Okay, so um, it'll be a thought experiment podcast tomorrow. Doesn't yeah, it? we'll be okay. we'll be working through it, and it'll be something that we're gonna upload. So obviously, if any of you out there. Have feedback, have a moment to chime in, have a moment to interact, leave a comment letting us know tomorrow or today, but mostly tomorrow because that's when the thought process will occur or when we'll make the thought experiment public that um, you can chime in and really critique it and let us know if you find a flaw in it. Let us know if you're like, 
really into it, if you think that we're on the right track, that kind of thing. Because, again, from where I'm sitting, I keep hitting this cycle. Mm-hmm. And unless I have you to bounce it off of, nobody else is really able to keep up with this. I've explained it to a few people over the years, very few people that I trust not to try and take it and run with it. And they all end up stumped. I mean, I'm talking college, collegiate-level professors who have worked at private, public, multiple, class one, A1 um, schools or division one schools. And they end up stumped. I mean, just they have nowhere to go once we get to the end of the experiment except for back to the beginning. And so if you have a, once we release it, if you have an insight, please let us know. That being said, it'll be really interesting to see where we get on it because I've made very little progress myself, admittedly. I've made a little bit, but not a whole lot in terms of like extrapolating the content that we're looking to pull out of it, right? Like when we, when we say we're talking about the concept of a, of a perfected human condition, or creating a, almost a recipe for the perfected human condition. That's really hard to say. This is right. Which is part of what we'll get into tomorrow. But anyways. <clears throat> now I'm like almost digressing into tomorrow's podcast. So. Tomorrow we're going live with that shit. Yeah. And I believe. I'll, I'll look into the files. And try and find everything. And post it in Slack for you. Or send yeah. it to you. But um. It'll be really interesting to see where we end up giving your life experiences and my life experiences right now. There we go. I'm Let's take a excited. break. Yeah, we need a break. We gotta Let's fill our mason claws back up and get to this podcast, buddy. You know what I mean? All right, guys. Well, we're on the break. We just want to remind you that if you want to donate, you could do so at Money Sign A Space Podcast via the Cash App. You can also follow us on social media channels at A Space Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and the first episode on SoundCloud. Is there one I didn't miss? I mean. Right now, I could probably say you can catch us on all podcast services around the globe, but you know, we don't really have staff to be saying all that or that updating that often. That's why we need you to donate at Money Sign A Space Podcast. Please donate. We need new equipment. We need a studio. Come on. We need a fucking studio, but we need. That'd be a really good, like, New Year's intro, like, I'm dying slowly, and I don't know if I'm gonna survive. Two weeks later, hey, mother! <laughs> I'm back! <laughs> From the grave. Guys, that's his audition tape for whatever movie you want to audition. That's my audition tape for the uh, Catholic Church position of Jesus Christ. Stop saving. Oh, my goodness. You better stop joking about that. Hit me up. Then- Hit me up, church. We can talk numbers. You know what? There's a special place yes. in hell for people who joke about <laughs> joke about religion like that. Oh, you mean like every pope ever? 
I mean, every pope ever that's just covered up the child abuse and moved around priests who have been abusing little boys their whole lives. Yeah. I'm happy to spend my time in that circle of hell, bitch. I will ruin their fucking assholes <laughs> for the rest of eternity. That don't sound Spit right. That just sounds like you're going to do the same thing that they were doing to the little boys. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that the point of hell. Right. It's called spitting a pitchfork, bitch. Welcome to it. I got no sympathy. Anyway, changing the subject. No sympathy. I was able to catch the first four and a half hours of the impeachment gate. Oh, geez, the impeachment gate? Is that what, that's the active like, terminology Bro, for this? I'm pretty sure when they report on it in four years, it's going to be called impeachment gate. Yeah, everything's called gate now. Gamer gate. No, 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 because it Bullshit was it was gate. first. What was the first a- gate? Was Watergate it? Watergate with Nixon, which is why it's come back around thirty years later. They're like, oh, everything's gonna be called gate now. Gamer no, gate. I think they just call Russia it, gate. I think they just call impeachment it, gate. I think they just call it the city because now they refer to Hillary Clinton and they now just say just call Benghazi. It bullshit. Now just they call say it bullshit. Benghazi with Hillary Clinton. Um, don't don't <laughs> do not. Get me talking about that because I'm. A, well, one thing I wanted to talk about today. Get me arrested. One thing I wanted to talk about today, which is that it kind of seems okay. as though that this whole thing with the impeachment, um, what what is it? Impeachment inquiry. Yeah. So we're is, in the inquiry process right that, now. We've started uh-huh. the official inquiry. The Democrats have started in the House. Which basically means, so the inquiry process occurs to, I believe, determine. No one needs a step-by-step guide, Phil. We are, you know, it's already so No, they don't already know. That's why people have been screaming for three years for Pence to impeach Trump. Like, that's going to (laughs) happen. You said for Pence to impeach Trump? Yes, so the VP has a clause. I believe it's in the 26th Amendment. He's never going to do it. To forcibly... Force a review and therein remove the president from seated position of power and therefore assume position of power. So there's a clause that allows mutiny? Basically. Yeah, and it's, it's the same clause that's been in maritime law for years. It's You believe the captain of the ship is no longer fit of duty to execute their, their job or their position. Dude, you can tell that dude isn't fit to execute. Right, but of course, Pence. I mean, so people look. So okay, what do you mean? Sidebar: We're looking at Trump and Pence uh-huh. as if it's just Trump. I kind of see, bro. I kind of see like when, it, when we were talking about social media exposure. I feel like Pence is more presidential than, and and I feel like Pence puts in way more work. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, stop. All right. I mean, it's true. Give me true. 30 seconds. I mean, Give it's me true. 30 seconds so I can frame it. Uh-huh. Don't say nothing. We you look have at the more seconds, huh? Motherfucker. We look at <laughs> Bush's administration, and still, still we refer to it as Bush's administration because he was the sitting president. But everybody who's ever paid attention to politics knows 15. Dick Cheney Yank that motherfucker around by the neck. Why do we think Trump is any different? You have 10 seconds. Trump is a fucking businessman figurehead. And Pence is up in that White House making all the choices without any of the consequences. Three. I guarantee you in 2024, 
Pence is gonna be on the One. ticket. I gave you thirty seconds. <laughs> I'm coming, motherfucker. <laughs> Pence is the boss in that house. Don't get it fucking twisted, people. Yeah, I mean, Pence it kind of seems like that. on those lines. Don't get it fucking twisted. You think Trump gave a shit well, if you, about if, his GA or his yeah. DA, his district attorney or whatever the fuck it is, the, no. the general counsel for White House? No. You think that motherfucker gave a shit about Mueller or Mueller, however you want to pronounce it? No. Pence's ass was like, look, this is a problem. We got to get rid of him. But I can't do it. I'm just telling you right now, if you don't do it, by the time you're out of the White House, you'll have no business connections. Because you'll be so burned. 30, 35% of all of Trump's income comes from international correlations. Exactly. Most of which are based in India, which is heavily pharmaceutically based. Mm-hmm. Okay. You really think that motherfucker gives a shit about what happens in Mexico and Latin America? No, but I think no. I feel like all Trump's moves are like to secure no. his position in the White House, right? And their, he doesn't care moves, about the country or foreign policy. Their moves to secure <clears throat> his position that he will reassume once he's out of the White House. Because he had to sign over any number that he hasn't disclosed yet. A various number of different business titles and control to his okay, so adjacent now, so family. So let me ask you a question. So when he comes out, so he's going to get all that revenue back. And then, in 2024, right. Pence is going to fucking run and be like, I was there. Look at this prosperous season. Let me ask you a question. Why are they going after Joe Biden so hard then? Why do you think? Well, because Joe Biden is considered one of the top three candidates. Only mm. three candidates who stands a chance in the polls of beating Trump. Not really. And that's half their problem. So Not, re- not with polls, his health under so, attack like that. I don't really think you can well, say Well, right. That's why they're attacking that. his health. Because otherwise... He's considered a top three candidate. No, Republicans are not attacking his health. I feel like that's more I didn't say media were. I said thing. they were. Who's they? We're talking uh, about people. We're running. talking about two totally different. Okay, so okay, two totally different. When, when Gambler, this voice, Gambler says they, I'm referring to the political strategists and parties running for the presidential primaries that will inevitably run for the presidential seat. What are you classifying they as? The, the congressional when I say, branch? When I say, so it depends on context and what I'm talking about. Because okay. the Republican Party, I feel like, is is after Joe Biden probably because he is. Hold on. I got I to reframe that. That's okay. I feel like the media is after Joe Biden because... They can obviously see that his health and mental right. Health they is can pick it apart and be like, "Well, this is a blatantly obvious right. thing," versus where somebody who's young and adept, like. But I feel like Harris the Republican Party is attacking Joe Biden because his son happens to be caught oh. up in this whole Ukraine thing. Oh, you mean Ukraine Gate? <laughs> Whatever Gate, impeachment Gate. It's all the same it's Gate. Ukraine Gate now. It's all Jesus. the same Gate. What I'm saying is that. Killing, not you. The social right. What I'm saying is that it seems to be that not only 
it seems like the Republicans want this not to go through because they want to keep course. the status quo. And the Democrats would love for this to go through because it would set a precedent that you can't just come in the White House and do whatever you want to. Because I think, right. I think to a party line. if Donald Trump goes unscathed from a four-year one-term presidency or even two-term presidency for eight years, unscathed, that means that any millionaire can come in office and influence foreign policy however they want to. So Beyonce 2024? But the, here's the thing. I don't, I don't. I mean that in a joking way, but also at the same time. More than any time in history hilarious. has a president and his and his prowess with money become influence in foreign policy. Dude, you could have the beehive in the presidential seat. Yeah. Queen B and then Jay-Z. Who and Jay-Z cares about like, Beyonce, dude? She's no one. Her. That's the point. No okay. one gives a fuck about Trump. They no give a shit about No one cared Pence. about Trump either. I mean, I don't they care about anyone. About but what I'm that's, talking. The, that's the analogy. I mean, sure. We probably should now, be watching this number now, two. Now, Beyonce got more fuck you money mm-hmm. than Jay-Z. But when she married Jay-Z, she didn't. That's a fact. I think it was the other way around. I think Beyonce was more, was richer than Jay-Z. She wasn't. Yeah. She married Jay-Z when she was like 2019, and he was already opening his own label. So even if you account for the debt that you incur upon opening your own label, because debt has been America's run the financial institution since 1979 or 89. Right, but I would love to see more in-depth on that thing, because, I mean, I don't know. Now, don't get me wrong. She has clearly, if you look at, I the, feel like she's probably had the, way if more you look potential at the public records, than her husband. She, if you look at the public records, she's worth more than he is. Yeah, that's because she's but got way more of a career. She also him. publishes through his publishing house, which she partly owns because she's married to him. So you're negating a quarter of the profits because they have to inherently split it. And then you're only calculating three-fourths of it to be divided up on a 50-50 line, assuming they don't have a assuming that they do not have a prenup. Which I can only assume they do because she didn't divorce his ass after Lemonade came out. So I mean if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Let me know, Beyonce. Hashtag I love Halo. <laughs> Halo is my favorite song from <laughs> Beyonce. Probably ever. Dude, I don't even... I don't know, man. I'm probably going to catch so much flack for this, but I don't listen to anything Beyonce or Jay-Z, honestly. That's fair. When, when the Jay-Z only thing Jay-Z out, I do okay, listen to so. is before his era with, like... Oh, with like Jay-Z. Woo! Where do you start? Good music. and You know what I listen to every time I listen to Jay-Z? What? I listen to Niggas in Paris. And I listen to Niggas and Porous by Most Def. Back to that. Every time. That tells me everything I need to know. Mm. And then maybe if I'm feeling a little bit more on a realistic hip-hop vibe. Mm-hmm. When I'm trying to like really give a shit about the original concept of like where he started. I'll listen to um, Run The City. Mm. That has Kanye. And so you don't listen to any of his old stuff, which is the best. Sometimes, 
but I don't seek it out inherently because if I'm looking for old classic real hip hop, like I don't I don't mean real hip hop as if things post ninety five are fake. I mean like if I give a shit about true gangsta, I'm going back to NWA. I'm going back to Snoop, Ice Cube, that kind of thing. I'm not. I'm reading the nitty gritty. From Eminem and his rehab days when he's struggling as much as he was with the, the, the fluctuating flaws of humanity. And his addiction. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. His addiction is like his flaw. Right? His yeah. addiction is the only thing that rivaled his love for his daughter. Yeah. Ever. Like, not his, I mean, and then maybe his love for music. And those are about the only two things that ever possibly gave him the strength to defeat addiction. That and his uh, ex- his mentor, Dr. Dre. And um, but then you get into a lot of the politic of that. And like you look at an artist and you go, what made that artist? Most tragic artists like Dr. Dre, um, Leonardo da Vinci, Van Gogh, they have a, a muse. They have an outlet that catalyzes their their uniquities but that catalyst is also the catalyst for their uniquities that becomes their art that people love and adore for ages to come is also a catalyst for their demons you know dr dre's wife will former wife will swear up and down that you know she doesn't trust that he's a changed man and the way he used to lay hands on her um you look at the 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 fallout from just in the music alone with uh, Eminem and his wife and their and that effect on their daughter. You look at any artist across any genre and you look at the damage that's been wrought upon their children by and large. There are exceptions, of course, but by and large, um, when you're coming up from nothing and you have a family too early while you're chasing your career, it's not good for your kids. Mm-hmm. Hence, the line "Loving the music, a man on the road ain't always what it's supposed to be," which is a classic line from from rock and roll. It speaks volumes, and it's a soft line thrown away in the middle of a chorus, in the middle of a song that most people bypass. But it speaks volumes about the existence success demands from you. And the sacrifices you have to make. And a lot of times people end up at the top of the success tower or they end up close to the top of the success tower and they go, it's not fucking worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it to chase the summit. So once you get to the summit, nobody else can keep up with you. You don't have a partner who can give you what you have or what you're missing because you've taken everything you give a crap about. So. Mm -hmm. Which is probably that's why they say it's Beyonce so much, but that's a whole other mental thing. Well, since we're talking about music, man, lately NF has been my guy right now, bro. Who? NF. Google this song, guys. NF. When I grow up. Oh my goodness! If you play that song and you have good bass, bro, that is like the best, bro. It is my song to get hype. It is my song when I want to work out. It is my song when I'm about to go into work. It's my song when I get out of work, bro. It's hard to find those type of songs in your life, and that's definitely my song right there. 
You know who one of my favorite artists of all time? What? Who is it? One that one my favorite artist that has surprised me over the years and who I think is going to go down to history, no matter if they fall off here in the next couple of years, is definitely Ben Khalid. He surprised me when he came out, and he's awesome. He's very he's young. He's very entertaining. He makes good music, and his voice is so unique. And I feel like he's going to be around for a long time. Or his music that he makes now is going to live on. So, for me, one of my favorite artists is uh, Anderson Pat. Oh, really? I don't listen to a lot of his music, man. It's yeah, just, so... For me, hip-hop has really felt fallen off for me. I mean, all in all, like... closer I'm, to what I would consider R&B, like New Day R&B. Yeah, yeah, he and, is. And um, he has a... So, I mean, he's so... I don't want to say dial back. That's not the right term. He's so in tune with his audience. He's been featured on NPR. Mm. Right. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, NWA comes out. They're not getting featured on NPR. They're not getting featured on the, what's called, NPR calls it the uh, Tiny Desk Concert Series, where they bring in local artists, put them in basically like a bookshop or a coffee shop, do a closed recording with, or a live closed recording with a few select people. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, anyway, so Anderson Pack did one three years ago. I mean, NPR put it out, put it out on NPR Music back in uh, 2016 in August, and as of now, it's got 40 million views. Right. Yeah. That seems kind of like crazy, but also kind of low for YouTube numbers over three years. But if you listen to his records, he consistently has the same, his message changes. Like most artists, as they evolve, they change what they're talking about. Yeah. But his style has always remained the same. Mm. And I really love, I vibe with the style he's putting down because it's just genuinely, even on the slower, more morose memorabilia songs that are like echoing something lost or things like that, where you're yeah. reflecting on what it's almost a reflection of what we have and what was lost in order to get what we have. You, you, he maintains a uh, sound, a stylistic quality that is not gonna change. Yeah, which is something I find in things like um, childish Gambino's art, most Def's art, mm. um, and it's a significant contrast, which I think is necessary. It's a very significant, necessary contrast to a lot of like the new pop gangster rap. It's not really that gangster anymore. Um, you know, late uh, there's a lot of labels and record and people hyping it up to be something more than it is yeah nowadays versus in the original days when people were actually cutting their teeth off their beef with other artists which i mean is cutting good and bad teeth off their beef yeah don't <laughs> pardon rhyme <laughs> but you know back in the day when it was mm-hmm. first starting out it it was a cutthroat kind of market oh yeah ether and was now, like the hottest diss track of all time i still listen to ether oh my right. goodness and so now you have like artists collaborating trying to pick each other up 
not too dissimilar to how the comedy world worked. Where back yeah. in the day, there wasn't enough connection and comedy spot for the money to go around in the comedy world and stand-up world. <clears throat> Pardon me. Versus today, where you do have enough connection and enough internet influence to balance out enough income enough income in the comedy world to balance out the give and take for newbies and oldies and goodies and classics man Netflix is changing the game for stand up artists bro I'm telling you what was her name oh my gosh she just got the contract and they were going to give her like a 5.6 million dollar buy or something like that for her special and she was like no 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 Tiffany Hatton yeah, Tiffany oh, Haddish. Okay. She took, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking a 60-70% budget cut on her special so that she could pay back the people she promised she would remember. Yeah. You're talking three, four, five, six other artists, other Oh, comedians. yeah, I watched the whole yeah. thing. They were all awesome. Yeah, yeah. they're all solid. good. They're all solid. And she was like, then they were like, well, we can't do that unless you take a pay cut. She was like, Get, take my budget. Give it to them. Yeah. Divide it equally. That's love, though. That's what you do. How rare is that? I mean, you're talking the game. You're getting the points in. You're getting your feet in the door. You're getting in the door. You get to control the doorman. And then all of a sudden, you get the buy of your lifetime. You get the fuck you money offer. Mm-hmm. Where you could sit on your ass the rest of your life and just flick people off. Yeah, but I and think instead that, of taking all that money for yourself, right, I think that you go, no. Yeah. Every one of these people, every one of my people that I gave a promise to, you're going to give them a chance. I don't. And they're like, oh, well, we have to take out our money. And you just sign the check. Right. But I think that Get becomes a time. Yeah, there comes a time where you're so like tired of failing. And you're so like tired of not making it. That when you actually do make it, you remember all the people that were there with you along the yeah, way. Yeah, you know? should, but a yeah. lot of people don't. I mean, especially in, in what I'm saying is, is that if you take the money, yeah, you'll have money to spend for a lifetime and for everybody to be yeah, set. I mean, for I mean she could have taken the money all herself but the thing and then is, gave them that money to them personally. When but you would do, that have had the same when effect? you do something that she did, bro, right. it's like that creates more just solid foundation and just like You're legacy. Talking about stabilization yeah. of an industry, exactly. Of the net, I mean, she literally stabilized the principle of business. For the next generation of comedians, right? Because the generation she grew up in, that these ladies came up out of, is not the has not is formulated on a, a function of comedy that is not necessarily how the next generation of female comics are going to come up, or any comic is going to come up. Yeah, there's a whole age of deep digital media, digital comedy, and she got the contract that she was hunting for. She got the yeah. money. Mm-hmm. To to give back, but like anybody who understands business knows, just because one generation achieves it does not mean it's going to be around for the next one. Yeah, you know. So I think it's important that the way she went about doing it is highlighted because in the in the advancing, constantly changing age of digital media, how people comedians, musicians, artists of any kind publish their their knowledge and their experiences and their art in the digital age, how they do that is incredibly important. 
And I believe the way she went about it in her digital media expansion set a very important precedent or a very important model, at least, for how people coming into that world should expect to be treated. Mm. And that says volumes because the success that not only she garnered, but the success she gave back to Netflix after she convinced them to divide the money is insane. They, I mean, the comedy special, I mean, they were doing well on comedy specials before, but once Haddish had that buy and she said divide it among, what, six other artists? No. They had six, seven different comedy specials come out at one time, and where normally in a capitalistic market you say that's kind of flooding the market, instead everybody ate it up within like a week. Yeah. Right, because comedy specials only about two hours max, maybe two and a half. Yeah, and those are like I think thirty minute specials. Yeah, I think like yeah, because she's taking a budget cut for a two and a half hour special or a three hour special, so she's taking a cut for five, six other women to pay them forward and to set a precedent. Yeah. And so you're having all this material and all this business practice come out in the way it should, it, it's setting an example for the way the next generation should operate with each other. Yeah. When they go, you know what? Netflix is kind of old. We need a kind of new thing. It's our own thing. Yeah. God bless Netflix. But eventually it's either going to get too old or it's going to get bought out. It sets a principle of how to operate in a different, in a, in an industry that was uniquely visceral before the internet age. You know? So, I think that's really good. I think what she did and the principles she set were um, <laughs> necessary and experientially valid. Yeah. Good. <laughs> That's the point of a live concert is the experiential contact to the performer that you don't get in a studio album. No matter if you download it, listen to the vinyl, doesn't matter. It's uh, a difference of execution. Right. Which you can't imitate in a studio when you don't have 50,000 people sitting around you. True. I just, I kind of. As a performer, judge it because I mean, as a performer, you should know. Yeah, the way you spit your spoken word ain't probably the same. wouldn't be how I record it. Right, right. I mean, when you when you're practicing it, does it ever sound precisely how you spit it in a competition? No, Never. But what I know from a competition, or what I know from what I have performed, is that it always sounds worse when I record it than when I perform it on my own. That's the point. What's the point? Well, to see the worst version? Right, so That's like, the reason why no, I don't want to go to a you're concert. Missing the, you're missing the key difference. Uh-huh. When you're a published artist, you have a studio editing 50 tracks to sound like one good track. Mm-hmm. One perfect track. Mm-hmm. Right? If you had 50 people, or you have 50 recordings of your spoken word for somebody, for a team to edit, mm-hmm. you'd sound like Maya Angelou. Right. But you don't. And you Just won't. like when we edit this podcast, we sound like professionals. Oh, yeah. When, when we, we don't edit, edit this, it, when, when Nimbus over here applies that AP to everything, it sounds a lot better. Right. But when you're talking about live audience, you can't change the tremor in the voice at a live session. Right. You can't do it. 
But you can try. You can be like, well, we can auto-tune this one bar. You can try, but then it's not going to work. People can spot it. What's up? Are we live? We ain't live. I think we're live. live? I think we're going to have to bring the podcast. We're going to have to bring the podcast to an end. To an end? Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're going to pick up tomorrow. We're going to pick up tomorrow. We're talking about perfection, Mom. We ain't got time for nothing else. We're going to do it. Now, well, we're going to have to pick this up in a bye week from now because tomorrow we ain't got no conversation space for anything else (laughs) other than the perfection thesis. I guarantee that. So right now, Gambler. I think we're Garen, in the podcast because we have the ladies from the Afro oh, all right, podcast now we really in the building. <laughs> she who shall not be named is Colin. <laughs> Why did I you compare her to Voldemort? Because, oh, man. Because somebody's got to be Harry Potter. <laughs> and you know what? I'm a, I have a dick. Okay. All right, Sorry. folks. We're out for the night. J.K. Rowling didn't say he was trans. Sorry. We're out for the night. Goodbye. Peace.